you collected 140 tons of clothes in 10 days. Correct. I know it's 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 I know it's unbelievable, but the Syrians are unbelievable too. And when we want to do something, we do it. And you know, Jesse, it was really one of the biggest highlights in my life. Not because we collected 140 tons. No, it was because we we were sticking together like a big family. Shlomo and Shlomo, dear podcast family, it's Jesse, and I'm wishing you a wonderful and safe time this Christmas with your friends and your family. This year was very challenging, but let's also not forget to reflect and think about all the positive things we witnessed this year. For example, great podcasts. <clears throat> anyway, I'm so thrilled to bring you a new episode from my beloved country, Germany, and today's guest is not only a role model for me, but also a good friend. Petros Afrem Barson is the chairman of Gebiet, the cultural association in the area of Ruhr in Germany. He's also one of the driving forces in the organization Save Our Souls 1915.de, or in short, SOS. SOS is a humanitarian aid organization that is active in Syria, Iraq, Turkey, Lebanon, and in other countries. They started off as an activist group to bring awareness to the genocide of 1915 in Germany. And let me tell you, their methods are unconventional, creative, and sometimes they take a lot of courage too. In this episode, I talk with Petrus about his upbringing in Germany, the mission of his organization, and how he thinks other organizations across the globe can work to benefit our nation. Support for this week's episode of the Serum Podcast is brought to you by Tony Kalakarakis and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that has been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Kalakarakis. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or 847 982 9516. And now, let's hear from Petros. Welcome, Petros, to the SIN podcast. Hey, Jesse, thank you for having me. Petros, before we start talking about all the volunteering that you did, I would like to know more about your upbringing. Where is your family from and where were you born and raised? Yeah, my family is from Turabdin in Turkey from the village of Ha, but originally my grandfather is born in Syria in Greyeyser and we have roots in Homs also and before that my grandfather told us uh, from the Nineveh Plains. Oh wow, and when did they move to Germany? Uh, my parents moved to Germany at the end of the 17th. At first my father, um, one year later my mother, yeah with my older sister and brother. Was that the time where all the people from Torabdin came here with Turkish guest workers? Uh, that's not correct. Not in the f case of my parents. Uh, it was a time where the most of the Assyrians are coming from Torabdin. But my father was before in the prison in Turkey because the 
Turkish um, police thought he's a Kurdish PKK uh, fighter. Oh, PKK, you mean the Kurdish worker party? Yes, right. Uh, so my father was farmer and a shepherd and has also a gun and they thought he's a PKK fighter. So they get in, in the jail. After that, he getting out with friends and fled to Germany. And after that, oh. my mother too. Yeah, after my mother moved also to Germany with my oldest brother and sister. She's from the same village? Yes. Okay. She was the prettiest one in the village. Oh, it's, <laughs> well, my grandmother was the prettiest in Azov, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so after that, um, my uh, next older brother uh, was born. And after that, uh, me in 1982, born in Duisburg. It's a famous city for industrial steel and coal. It's in North Rhine-Westfalen. Maybe you know it. One of the northern states in Germany. Northwest states. Yes. Uh, close to the Netherlands. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was raised in the city and also went to school there. Did you study? Like, did you went to a university? Uh, first of all, I became a um, tax advisor. And after that, I went for further studies. And now I became tax advisor for the government of my department. Petros, I know you as a person that is very connected to your roots, your cultural identity. And I was thinking, were you raised like that? Like in a typical Assyrian patriotic family? Or how did that happen? Uh, Jesse, I don't know. Because uh, my parents uh, weren't so much patriotic in their teenage age. Um, but they told us the... Um, Assyrian Aramaic language as children. After that, my oldest brother um, get interested in our roots and history. And so they taught us also about our history as younger brothers and sisters. And um, also my parents with us. So for example, when my brothers and sisters learned new Assyrian words, They told also my parents these words. And so we complete each other uh, with our language and getting better and better at the last 10, 15 years together as family. Beautiful. Yeah, that's really fantastic because my parents also know many um, old Assyrian words we didn't hear before. So my brothers read so many books with Assyrian words, new words. Um, I think... Now uh, we are talking a good Assyrian at home. Uh, we have rules at home, uh, language rules. Okay. When we are at home, it's only Assyrian. So if we don't know one word in Assyrian, okay, that's no problem. You can, you can say it in German. And the other one, or he translated in Assyrian. So you try your best. And if you don't know the word, The other one, maybe, uh, can complete you too. Wow. So it's a, like strict rules. When we're at home, we're going to speak Assyrian. You can only speak another language when you're outside of the home. Yeah, correct. Uh, actually, uh, we, have, we, we are talking fluently in German and Assyrian. It's no problem for us. Uh, also, the children of my brothers and sisters are talking fluently Assyrian. Great job. Thank you. And to be honest, Jesse... Um, at the age before I was 16, 17, 18 years old, 
I wasn't so much um, interested in our culture and uh, language also because I have so much German and other friends but the contact with the with other teenagers who were a few years older than us in our city Assyrian teenagers Assyrian teenagers yeah who founded a culture club were like role models also like my older brothers for me and I get more interested uh, with the time the history for the culture for our language I was inspired from them because um, I, I saw them like older brothers and for me it, they were really role models and they tried to share with me their knowledge also yeah and try to to be a part of the culture club this was for me as a young boy a little bit uh, new but it was good because I found new brothers and sisters in the culture club and yeah really like second family like uh, really good friends and yeah and by the time I was learning more I get more responsibility from them I getting bigger role with the time and this was a um, very important part in my history and they showed me that that it's really important to show the new generation the next steps what they have to do for the teenagers in our culture club so I've been also um, role model for youngers yes I totally agree with you if uh, we give our young people more responsibilities make them a part of something they have they will have this feeling oh I cannot let them down because I'm part of it if you just tell them what to do they maybe do it once maybe they do it twice but then you will never see them again and they will not have the feeling that oh we built this together that's right you have to give them more freedom so they grow up better they are more powerful than before because they show what they can do Petrus, I know that you're a very active person in the organization of Safe All Souls, which we will talk more about in depth later. But tell us a little bit more about the different types of organizations that you joined throughout your life. I told you about the culture club, the culture club in my town, in my city. Yeah, Syrio Ruhrgebiet is uh, the cultural club of my community in the area of Ruhr. Um, it's in the state of North Rhine-Westfalen. Since the year of 2003, I am the chairman, but not because I I want it. Um, it's because nobody else wanted to do it, and uh, we needed somebody for this position and for this cultural club. And at the end, I said that I would do it to not lose uh, our cultural club because we had so many memories together with this cultural club. And the older generation was married, moved away and, and didn't have so much time. And I was one of the next generation and we didn't want to lose it. So so at the end I agree that I would do the job. And so we... Are um, you happy with the decision that you made? Yes, of course. Uh, at the end. Uh, no, not at the end. At the first day I was um, happy because... Um, Every time in all these years I had a good team around me with other good volunteers and um, board members and um, I think we did a good job together. Different kind of activities like cultural and intercultural festivals, 
football or volleyball tournaments, projects for immigrants like language courses for the people for coming from Syria and Iraq and so much other things. I think I even heard that you have a kindergarten now. Yeah, that's right. Um, since last year, September 2019, we get the opening for our own kindergarten. A kindergarten for Assyrians? Yeah, especially for our Assyrian children. So It's a big deal. Yeah, I know. That's the first and only one in Germany. We have, I think, like around 20 children. And I think it will be more and more in the next time because other families hear about um, our kindergarten. It's one time in the week, every Saturday, learning the language, culture, dancing, alphabet in the Assyrian and also in German. So um, we try to help them to learn uh, both languages. They need to learn the German language also, the Assyrian language too. So we think that's very um, important to have this This was one idea of the parents of the children. And with our cultural club, we have the capacity in our culture club. They learned uh, to, to pray together in Aramaic before they uh, eat something. They can count and say the alphabet. Uh, so we have, for example, children, they are two years old and they can say fluently the complete uh, alphabet. Oh God, I'm 27 and I don't know. <laughs> Oh man, that's that's so beautiful to hear, Petros. Like that, it's such a success. It's really needed here. You you said it. It's the first of its kind. Hopefully, there will be more in Germany. Yeah, we also hope and we try to um, motivate other cities to adopt the system. We we are the pioneers in Germany for this, uh, and we wanted that other ones make a copy for, of this because you'd only need a few lovely volunteers, actually uh, parents or um, teenagers who wants to spend the time with the kids and we will make our program for this more and more after time. So now it's one time in the week and at the next months we will, um, because we are so much children now, so we uh, prepare another room for the children and uh, after that Uh, we will have program for the afternoon for children who are in the school and needed um, help for their um, homeworks. Oh, great. Yeah. So this is the next step. Yeah. So we try to offer more and more um, things for the different ages. So more kids and children join us. Great. Can you tell me how old you were back then when you became the chairman? took all the responsibility um i was at the beginning at the 20s <laughs> no way yes of course that's huge like the future of a cultural club on your shoulders that's right but don't forget the cultural club uh, at this time was uh, not so big like now like um, how many members maybe we were 20 or 30 teenagers at first we start with teenagers only but still petros like in this age i can just speak for myself i was still on the way figuring out my identity and to be a role model at this age for so many other younger people that that is a lot of responsibility so wow my respect seriously thank you and um how i how i said at first we were maybe 20 
20 or 30 teenagers. Uh, but now we included the families and the children also in our club, culture club. Um, so now you can say the members are counting like four or five hundred altogether. For example, our last summer festival, uh, we have more than 250 people. So you were talking about Ruhrgebiet. Is there any other association, organization that you joined? Yeah, at 2005, uh, other Syrians and me founded Suryoy for India. It's a humanitarian aid uh, organization, especially for our people in India and Kerala. Um, we saw so many poor people there. Oh, you, you went there before? Uh, yes, I was there in 2004 and another uh, youth group was in 2005 there. And these, these two groups um, were thinking what they can do for the people there. So 2005, we founded together this this humanitarian aid uh, organization for our people there. Mm -hmm. um, the most of them are from the Syriac Orthodox Church, but also the other churches are represented there, like the Assyrian Church or the Chaldean Church, uh, Syrian Cal Catholic Church. But when you say Suryoi for India, are there... They're not ethnically Suryori, right? They are included in our churches. They are, as you said, Syriac Orthodox Christians from a Syrian Church of the East, etc., etc. But uh, most of them are not ethnically Assyrians, correct? That, yeah, that's correct. The most of them are not anymore 100% uh, Assyrians. But um, there's a small community. They call them Knanoye or Knanaya. They're around 100,000 people this small community of Knanoye uh, never mixed with other people they are around 100,000 yeah so what I'm trying to say is that they never mix with other people um, these community of 100,000 are originally from Durabdin and the other 2 million point five they they mix with other one but, um, yeah, they... Um, like Indians that converted to our churches, you mean? For example, or Knanoe who, who married other ones. So they are out of this small community. Yes. And uh, you saw the poor people and you collected money like, and brought donations to them? Or how did that work within Surrey for India? Um, yeah, we founded water wells in small villages. We helped uh, orphanages for boys, girls, and and handicapped children. Also, like food packages or medical help. For example, there is a medical center in India. It's also sponsored by the club of Sri for India. But in the last years, um, it's getting uh, lesser than the other years because we have uh, so much people in Beth Nahrin in Syria and Iraq because of the war and uh, fleeing people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, other than that, I was um, also in the Central Council of Assyrians in Germany. It was a short time, but I was also for, I think, two years there. And uh, I was one of the board members and the treasurer mm -hmm. there. Yeah, and of course, AGM, I think you know it. It's uh, our Assyrian Youth Federation of Central Europe. Since the beginning, also there, 2003, oh, sorry, 2002. And um, 
my role is um, I try to help when I can. Beautiful. Petros, let's talk about Save Our Souls 1915. Because I actually met you through one of the protests back in 2014. And I truly believe it's the biggest accomplishment that you and your friends achieved so far. Would you agree? Yeah, of course, Jesse. Um, I absolutely agree with you. Um, Save Our Souls is a big deal. And we all can be proud of this. How it became what it is today. And so for the listeners, can you explain what SOS is about? Who initiated SOS and how did it even start? Uh, Save Our Souls is a humanitarian aid organization. We served refugees in Germany and the Middle East, but especially Syria, Iraq and Lebanon. Initially, it started in the beginning of February 2014 with a media workshop by the Syrian Youth Federation of Central Europe. And just a few young people met and tried to figure out a way how we can bring awareness to the genocide of 1915. It was barely presented in the media back then. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to fight for its recognition in Germany. Yeah. And that was what we did until suddenly ISIS invaded Mosul and mm -hmm. our people in Iraq and Syria needed us. So we had to shift to humanitarian aid because it was urgent. And until now we do both. Humanitarian aid and bringing awareness to 1915. That's actually a very interesting development because... Here you are, trying to bring awareness to a genocide that was already in the past. And suddenly, you people are standing in front of a new genocide, and you have to shift and focus now on the present to not let 1915 to be repeated again. That's very interesting, you know, because that just proves to me, if we don't deal with the past... Things like that can always happen again and again and again. And they do. They do. Um, how many activists does SOS have? Like, Who are the members? Are they all Assyrians? We have around 500 activists. Uh, not everyone is Assyrian, but the most of them are Assyrians, Syriacs, Chaldeans, uh, Armenians, Germans, and a few of other nationalities. So even Germans are... Yeah. Partic wow, okay. We have German friends and they participate because um, they feel with us our pain and they try to do something right. 500 activists is actually a very impressive number. I really like how this is a mixed group. Uh, I, I personally believe we can learn so much from each other. Like we can learn from the Armenians, the Armenians can learn from us. And so... We're helping each other to deal with the past. And I love how Germans, you know, feel also responsible to make things right and to recognize a genocide that not directly affected their people, but their people were connected to it. That's very powerful. So, Petros, now I want to tell the listeners a scenario, okay? Imagine it's Wednesday night and you are sitting comfortably on your couch watching a television show on one of the top German TV channels. The speaker is talking about customer reviews and suddenly a random dude with a white shirt that says 1915 is interrupting everything. Suddenly there are more people now in front of the camera and the bodyguard catches one of the guys and wants to push him outside of the studio and 
but the other guy made it and reached the TV host and makes clear that they come in peace and so the troublemakers are allowed to stay and explain themselves on national television. Petros. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> but actually they pushed me <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Uh, I remember this so clearly. When I when I saw the video, I was freaking out. I was celebrating and then I feared for you because I s saw them pushing you and suddenly there was a bodyguard and then I already have problems to interrupt somebody in, in a conversation and you are interrupting a whole show on national television. Can you tell us what was that even about? The show or our action? Your action. <laughs> Yeah, uh, our action was because um, we wanted to let them know about this theme, 1915, because uh, nobody in the media uh, was talking about this genocide. And uh, yeah, I can remember that my brother and me, we were learning the text before the TV show. In the in the car? Yeah, it's in the car on the on the way on on the way to the TV show. Well, very well organized. <laughs> and not really good, but nobody wants uh, to to do it. Uh, only my brother and me we learned. Actually, I was the speaker, but when they kicked me down, like a football player, <laughs> and my face was scratching the floor, <laughs> my my brother get this part. And he tried to remember the text. And because they kicked me out of the studio, he also was asking them where where his brother is. Yes, I remember. He looked very worried. He was he already reached the TV host. And he said, uh, yeah, but before I start, what happened with my brother? Yeah, yeah. And then the TV host said, you're fine, right? Yeah, he said, um, let him come in down. Uh, to me and I said to the bodyguard you can hear it he said I can come inside he yeah. said no you stay here and I was trying to catch my breath and um, when I was hearing my brother was talking in the microphone I was so happy and smiling uh, inside myself yeah so I, I, I knew that uh, we get what we want so the action didn't fail because your brother just took the initiative and reacted fast and said the text that you learned yes i'm so proud of him uh, wow. he did it yeah. he did it really good and um yes um the tv show had i think more than six million um follower live and at the next day we were at the news activists storming tv show yeah the newspapers uh, the media newspapers all of them were full. We were at this night or at this day, we were the number one of the headlines. And I think we did a good job together. Um, and I have to say something to our girls because um, we were 11 girls and only four guys or boys. So uh, I have to say it. Um, I'm very proud of our girls because um, we asked so many boys before and before we stormed the TV show, so many of them say what kind of brave hearts they are. Yeah. But at the minute we need them, they... Suddenly you didn't see them and they took a step back? Yes. And the, the girls not. 
they are the really heroes. See, we are the backbone of the civilization. Yes, yes I have so much respect um, because the girls are more powerful than the boys. At this moment, I realize that uh, how many power our girls have. And really... Um, Thank you. Yeah, yes, of course. I think uh, if you would be there in this moment, you would also stay st standing with us there. Hell, I, w I would grab the microphone. No, I wouldn't. Actually, I just, I don't know. Like, I know you guys private. And when I saw your face on the TV show, like, you can clearly see you're really nervous. Like, this is a big deal. You could go to jail. Yes, of course. Um, especially some of us who had um, good jobs. For example, me, I, I was working at the government. We have also other ones who are teachers at school. And we are really thinking about that. It was risky because maybe we would uh, lost our jobs. But um, all of us, uh, we, we knew what we have to do this moment and we know that our mission is more than our jobs but let me tell you something before that uh, happened because uh, we talked um, before that together uh, we were 15 persons and we we said uh, we have to stand up by one signal together and um, open our jackets or pull out our pullover and show our shirts. When you look at the website, all the genocide information would come? Yeah, didn't you didn't see it before. We sit down in small groups, everyone in another section of this uh, studio. And at the same uh, sign, the sign was when I stand up, <laughs> <laughs> then everyone, everyone else have to stay uh, also and have to go in front of the studio to the um, host. So. We knew that uh, there are um, a few bodyguards, but they are not 15. Mm -hmm. And we were 15. Yes. So we know if they catch somebody of us, one of the others can go through the bodyguards and standing uh, standing by the host and maybe get the microphone and can talk. Yeah. And yeah, it works. I'm so impressed. I'm... To be honest, Jesse, we, we were really afraid of this. I don't think that we are heroes in this moment for us we afraid as in like i will pee in my pants afraid <laughs> yes of course <laughs> yes but we but you knew what we have to do in this moment and um i can't remember how how i i take my breath i don't remember because it was like um adrenaline yeah and like a movie um it was like i went out of my body Mm -hmm. and through and then was a second I was standing in front of the host and I was looking in in his eyes and I see he was more afraid than me and I and I raised my hands up and tried to show the host that I have no weapons with me because I saw the he was so afraid of us and at this moment, I was raising my hands. Uh, I feel only a knock, <laughs> a knocking down from one of the. Oh, the bodyguard body that knocked guard. you down. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, and so I was kissing the floor, <laughs> and um, and the rest was history. Yeah. 
That is an incredible story. I think uh, your future kids will appreciate that bedtime story because that is something you can be so proud of yourself. And thank you for doing that, really. So are there any other actions of Save All Souls that were about bringing attention to the genocide 1915 that you wanted to point out? Okay, um, so we organized a lot of big rallies and protests all over Germany and even in front of the German parliament. Then we had a Twitter campaign. Basically, we told all of our activists of us um, to start the conversation and tagging all important politicians. And actually, a lot of them answered us. When we, oh, really? Yeah. When we asked on recognition and other topics, yeah. How many Twitter messages? Uh, I think more than 100,000. Wow. With our Twitter group. We have a special Twitter group, our Twitter, we call them Twitter Army. <laughs> and um, so we pushed out more than 100,000 uh, messages. We also reach attention in different newspapers, media outlets. We not only reach out uh, politicians, we reach also out um, stars and other important people um, like um, sports stars, actors and um, other one. And also at the voting for the genocide resolution, we were part of the delegation at the German parliament. Oh, wow. You have very different ways of bringing attention to this matter. Yes, we did also something else very provocative. Okay, what was it? We were part of the third biggest carnival in Germany, in Mainz. Carnival? Yes. And maybe you are asking why carnival? Is it, is it not a day... To Everyone celebrate and to laugh, to, having to fun. dress up as like funny things. Yes, that's true. <laughs> But you can also try to make political um, statements in the shows. Okay, so what did you do? You know Erdogan? Yeah, the Turkish president. Yes, uh, the Turkish president and the Turkish Pinocchio. Maybe you heard of this. Uh, because he's lying so much? Yeah, and he has, in um, our political statement, he has a big, no, he has a long nose, like Pinocchio, because he is a liar. What do you mean, like you created his face? We create his uh, head, and his nose was, I don't know, more than two or three meter long, like Pinocchio, because he was lying. Okay, just for the listeners, so at Carnival, there's usually a show with cars that have big figures on it, and you apparently did a huge Erdogan face with this long nose. Yeah. Say, as in like, oh, he's lying about the genocide? You have, you have trucks with uh, different um, figures, motifs, political statements, And we choose the Turkish president for this. And he um, he's lying about the genocide 1915 and said it never happened. What material did you use? The material is styrofoam. And we had a artist. He's also someone who don't like Erdogan. It was a pleasure for him to create this figure for us. Did it also reach any media outlets? Yeah, it was also live uh, in the television mm -hmm. and we reached 
a few million people again because they are uh, they were looking they were watching and it was funny and this was um it was our message to turkey what about the humanitarian aid part of sos yeah as i mentioned before uh, we had to switch from bringing awareness to giving humanitarian aid mm -hmm. in the middle of 2014 you know jesse isis was um invading mosul, mosul yeah. and shinga we realized that our people will face winter in a few months yeah because they were living in tents right yes and so we had to act fast our idea was to bring clothes with a truck company to iraq instead of sending money you sent clothes because we we were a new organization we had no money but the people had clothes and they were ready to give us to help the people in need And if you think about it, it's a really crazy idea yes. to drive with a truck from Germany to Iraq. Everyone told us, don't do it. It's not possible to drive with trucks to Iraq and bring clothes there. And no one of German organizations wanted to cooperate with us. We were alone. Yeah. But, you know what? You know we are Syrians. Yeah. And... What? We are stubborn. And so we just <laughs> did it. We organized 34 collection points all over Germany and gathered 140 tons. How, do, how long did you collect it? 10 days. You collected 140 tons of clothes in 10 days. Correct. I know it's 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 I know it's unbelievable, but the Syrians are unbelievable too. And when we want to do something, we do it. And you know, Jesse, it was really one of the biggest highlights in my life. Not because we collected 140 tons. No, it was because we we were sticking together like a big family. No difference what you call yourself. If you are part of this church or of the other church at this moment i realized we are one people with one voice with one power isis showed us that they see in us one people what do you mean they make no difference between us they try to kill all of us wow that's very powerful That was Iraq and Syria. You also mentioned you did work in other countries like uh, Lebanon. And with the recent blast, that becomes even more important. What exactly are you doing in Lebanon? Uh, for example, in Lebanon, we founded a polyclinic with a partner organization, Demand for Action. And we gave food packages to families in need. What is this polyclinic about? Um, I tried to explain what a polyclinic is. Yes. Mm, if you go to the doctor, the doctor is only for one theme. And at the polyclinic, you have different rooms and different doctors. In every room is another doctor. So all in one. All in one. So refugees, certain families, they can go to the polyclinic and 
do they have to pay or is this for free? If I am a family in need and I go to the clinic, do mm. I get service right away? Yeah, the most of them are refugees from Iraq and Syria. The most of the services are free, uh, but sometimes they have to pay small bills. That's that's really helpful. Um, how do you collect money besides as an individual, you know, donating money directly to you? Are there any other initiatives, actions that you do to collect money? We like to choose creative uh, ways to collect money. Mm -hmm. For example, the charity concerts, what we did the last years uh, to the Christmas time. For example, the charity concerts in the church. We have very talented singers. They could sing American Idol or something like that. Um, but also they are singing on streets and... Um, As they do street music and collect money? Yeah, also. Wow. And the people are giving them donations. And we have booths at events and on shopping streets. And very important, we have our donation boxes. Um, we have around about 350 in all of Germany, in different businesses. Like an owner of a business can have a box and they collect the money for you. Yes, but not his money. Is the money of the people who are coming inside his business. Yeah. So, for example, they buying something, he get him money back. So, there are coins and they threw it inside the donation box. Yeah, they put the change into the box because it's just a few coins. Yes, And it's right. adding up and adding up and then you have a large amount to donate. Yeah. Maybe you are thinking, oh, that's, that's our very small coins. But you have to think the box will fill and we have 350 of them so at the end this is one of the important money maker for our organization to continue our work and also i think that's a really good idea which can adopt it from other syrians all around the world and especially in america mm -hmm. um, to make the same um concept in concept in their countries so they, you you're saying other people should do should adopt the idea of donation boxes have them in their stores perfect yes that's right and um they they don't need to send us this money i think we have great uh, organizations in america who can adopt this idea with the donation boxes like uh, Syrian Aid Society, Shlama Foundation, Etuti or others. Um, they don't need to send us the money. They can um, connect, uh, they can collect the money by themselves and what the important thing is that they do it and send the money for our people in the homeland. Um, we can do so many projects together. It doesn't matter which organization the most important thing is that we do it. And I would like to ask you something. Why we should collect the money only from our people? Yeah. Um, with this kind of, of collecting money, we can get money from foreign people. They are not Assyrian. And helping our people also with this. I think um, we are not so many people on this world. 
and I know we are helping every time with open hand for our people but why we should not use the power of the foreign people too for for us yeah you're right so um, Jesse if it's possible I would like to make an appeal I would like to say everyone who is listening to our podcast now who is thinking he or she is a real Assyrian patriot show us I want you to think about this idea to adopt for your organization and taking this idea of the donation boxes help our people in our homeland if everyone will do it we can reach more people and help more powerful our people in our homeland we reached the end of the interview and i just wanted to ask you if you have any other last words uh, to our listeners that you want to share with us um at first of all i would like to say thank you because you uh, gave me the chance to talk to our people and i would like to say thanks to our volunteers in all of our organizations not only um, at safe our souls I would like to say thanks to all of our donators uh, who are not forgetting our people in our homeland. And yeah, I wish you also the best. Thank you for your great work, different ways for our, for our people. And yeah. Thank you, Petrus. I wish you also all the best for your future. I hope uh, Safe All Souls stays successful as always. And... I think you're such a great role model for future generations. They can learn a lot from you. So thank you for your activism. I know it takes a lot from, you know, each personal life. So thank you for putting all the effort and the time for our people in the homeland. for tuning in if you enjoyed this episode help us out by sharing it on social media or telling someone about it we appreciate all of your support for the serum podcast have a wonderful christmas and we'll see you next week